So the key chat today have a very special group of guests. Um, of course, this is February Black History Month, and these are the family members of an important member of the civil rights movement, Dr. Frederick D. Reese. Dr. Reese was involved in the Civil Rights Act March on Selma. He worked with Dr. King. So, of course, I just want to go ahead and dive in and just get some information on how his family members wants to keep his legacy alive. And just also their thoughts on the certain things that are going on right now in this country. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing fine. Awesome. So I wanted to both get you guys to, you know, give your. And so I know, um, Alan, you said that Dr. Reese was your grandfather, and same with you, right, Marvin? Yes. Okay, so I'll let you guys start by just telling us about your grandfather first, just who he was everything he did. Of course, you know, from my notes, he was a civil rights pioneer, educator, pastor, you know, so just go ahead and start out by telling us about him first, in your own words. Well, you know, I can give you the rundown of who he was. I can really paint a picture for you. Mm-hmm. So you really who he was uh, concerning the movement. Uh, my grandfather was the president of the Dallas County Voters League. Uh, we all know about Martin Luther King and the SELC, the Southern uh, Leader. Um, Christian Conference. Uh, we know about SNCC, John Lewis's group, but we really don't know about the Dallas County Voters League. Well, I introduced them to you. The Dallas County Voters League were, was the, the group of people that, that invited Dr. King to Selma. Um, the, the board of directors of that group was the Courageous Eight. And, um, and they, they came together and my grandfather was the president. He was the leader of that group because Dr. King said that he would not go anywhere unless he was invited. So he was invited to Selma by that group and my grandfather was the president. My grandfather was also the president of the Selma Teachers um, Association. Um, And he was the one, the first one in world history to use teachers in the movement. So in one, he held a a position, a high position in the Dallas County Voters League. And he also held a high position in the Teachers Association. And um, he invited Dr. King a lot of people don't know that Selma did not want Dr. King. He got booed. I don't know if you kept up with John Lewis's funeral, the church he laid in a state for at um, Brown's Chapel. At that church, they booed my grandfather for even inviting Dr. King to Selma. Wow. Yeah. And he stood flat-footed after all the ministers and the, the, the people from SNCC and all of them said that they didn't want Dr. King. Um, my grandfather listened to all of them talk, gave him. And if you knew my grandfather, he was a very good listener. And um, he listened to him and he told him, well, at the end, Dr. King would be here in Selma. Now let's stand and sing, We Shall Overcome. And Dr. Mm. King, Selma, thing read second. Uh, I can go down the list on who F.B. F. Reese was. He was the first black man to run for mayor in Selma. He was one of the first um, black uh, city council members in Selma. He went against Walmart today. The reason why Walmart had black cashiers, district managers, and managers is because it was Selma, Alabama, who stood against Walmart and made the executives from uh, Arkansas fly to Selma. And today they still have that same uh, racial uh, clause in their application today um, because of F. Reese and Selma, which a lot of people don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But 
that's just some of the things he did with the movement um, that a lot of people just don't know who he was. Dr. King called him Mr. President. He respected my grandfather's mind. Uh, and I can go down the list. <laughs> wow. I have some dialogue and questions for you before I just go to the left. <laughs> I'll definitely get back to you so you can tell us some more. Like I said, I want you to tell us everything about him. So I would like to get your perspective too, Marvin, about all the things that your grandfather did. That's, that's something else to hear. This That's a beautiful legacy. Well, yes, like my brother said, um, I, I, I was saying in a nutshell, my granddad was the leader of the Selma local movement, which really sparked the fire, which led to the voting rights movement. That's right. But he did so many things in Selma. Um, and, and a lot of people just know Selma as well. Bloody Sunday on March the 7th, 1965. Or they marched across the bridge. They were beat. Um, when, they see, when you see John Lewis and Jose Williams in the front. Um, but they don't know what led to that. My brother right. always say, Dr. King came January the 2nd. They were marching across the bridge, Selma and Montgomery, March the 21st, 1965. So within a matter of a little over 60 days, look at the things that a lot of people may view that were accomplished, but not knowing all of the things that led up to that. That's right. How, how my grandfather, when he joined the Dallas County Voters League, it was uh, less than 100 members. And under his leadership, it grew to over 2,000. So, so I'll say in a nutshell, if you look at that front line from Selma to Montgomery, my grandfather is the only one in that front line from Selma, Alabama. So when I open our tours, I always ask, why do you think Dr. King and, and, and Rosa Parks on that front line and, and, and Reverend Abernathy and Jose Williams, why were they all in Selma if none of them were from Selma? Right. Why, would you, why would you pick a place with a small population to make a big change. Mm. Well, the reason that they were there, just to be honest, is because of Reverend Dr. Frederick D. Reese. Wow. And I'm, that's unapologetically the truth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> How has it been just to, I mean, I know that's a big responsibility because obviously, you know, he's no longer here, but that's such an amazing responsibility, you know, to keep his legacy alive, you know, which I definitely commend you guys for doing. How has that been, you know, just to, because like you said, this isn't something that we are taught in the history books, you know, which is sad to say. So how has that been to keep his legacy alive and to let people know who he is, the role that he played in such an important movement in all of our lives? Well, well it, what happened, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was in the fifth grade. I know you see me, I have Cedar Grove shirt on. I was at Cedar Grove Elementary and um. We were working on civil rights and in the test book, opened up the, the book and it was a picture of my grandfather with no name. Mm -hmm. And no one believed me when I said that was my grandfather. And so I called him up and, and tried to get him to come to Atlanta the next day. And he, of course he couldn't come, but what he did, he uh, told me to give the teacher, my teacher, his number and he came. And, and mm -hmm. the, the class went wild because if you knew my grandfather, his face still looked the same still distinctive, even though he was older, but he still looked the same. And that put a fire in us to say, this can't continue to happen. Yeah. You know, that, that because we have to preserve our history, we have to stop looking over the, the people. And I know it's a lot of FD Reese's out there, a lot of people that contribute to our history that has mm -hmm. been overlooked or unsung or 
no one has paid attention to. So it is our job and our duty for our last name to share this and say, no, we're going to put F.B. Reese where he belongs in history. We're yeah. not just look at him and say, well, God know what he did. And yes, that's true. And I believe that. But we have to teach generations. This is bigger than F.B. Reese. Mm-hmm. It's our job to teach generations of little little kids that look like us, that's, that has our color to say, look, you can come from dysfunction because when I, matter of fact, that same school, I talked to them the other day. It was, it was a great joy to go back and talk to the fifth grade. It's the same grade I was in when I saw his, his, his Facebook data, a name. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I was telling them, look, this is, my grandfather come from dysfunction. He didn't know his father and to, and to be who he was. So this is bigger than F.D. Reese. This is something that we have to do to, 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 to show generations, man, you can come from the gutter and you can still do something great, you know? And people will speak for you. Your grandkids will speak for you. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Legacy. That's right. So what can you tell us about, like I said, I just want to hear so much about this is experiences with Dr. King, you know? So did he tell you guys any other stories? you know, about just them working together, how he got to know him, like what else did he tell you guys about him? Well, I, I would say one story that I distinctively distinctively remember is when um, Granddaddy told us that him and Dr. King was locked up in jail together in Selma. And <coughs> you, usually in the book, you'll uh, well, go get the book, Selma Self-Sacrifice, you know, I throw it in there. But in the book, he talks about um, most of the time when they were locked up, that my grandfather would pray and read scripture before Dr. King would give a speech in the jail cell. And this particular time, Dr. King was preaching and lost his voice while he was preaching while they were in jail. And in the midst of of Dr. King losing his voice, he was standing on a table and preaching. And he told my granddad to continue his preaching and my granddaddy got on top of the table and continued to say what Dr. King was talking. So that that always sticks out in my mind. That's one story. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, just hearing like actual stories that personal coming up. I can't even imagine what that probably felt like. Mm-hmm. So tell us some more. Like I said, and I know like your granddad, like he was the leader, like you said, of the Samuel Voldem Rights Movement. Personally invited Dr. King to Selma to vote for equal voting rights. He was the president, as you said, of the Dallas County Voters League. He led the march for Selma to Montgomery. He was a vital part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So what, like, how do you guys feel now with everything going on? You know, like I said, we have a lot of racial tension going on, obviously. And you guys are doing an amazing thing, keeping your grandfather's legacy alive. What was his thoughts? Because obviously, I mean, he passed in 2018, right? So, you know, what was his thoughts towards the end on, did he think that we all made a lot of progress? You know, what was his thoughts? Um, basically, my grandfather was saying we still have work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather was never a person to try to talk about ones and individuals. Uh, he never talked about anybody said anything bad but he would tell us we still have work to do and he would allow us to have our own mind and what we feel that what needs to change you know because I used to tell my grandfather time I said granddad we have these celebrity activists these days that are more 
driven about popularity than driven um, for actual change. You know, if you look at my grandfather, you know, all them cats could have been lawyers. They understood the matter of the law. They were proactive and not reactive. And I used to tell him, granddad, we're reactive today. We'll march after something happened. We don't come up and say, look, we're going to be proactive and get things stirred up because we need to see change. We wait till someone get killed, someone get done wrong. And that's when we go out there and march where that's reactive. That's coming off emotions. And when you come off emotions, you can always be wavered. You get what I'm saying? But if we start being proactive and having plans in place and making things happen before anything, something happened drastically, we'll get more things done and, and people take us serious. You know, those cats during the day, those even, they were all reverence. They led from the front. You know, nowadays we don't wanna, we don't wanna tick nobody off. So we don't, yeah. because we want our churches to look um, we want to see diversity in our churches on Sunday, so we tend not to say the certain things in the pulpit that will that will hurt people's feelings, and that's not right. You know what I'm saying? And so that's and so that was some of the conversations. You know, I'm I, I was more of the 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 the, um, the forceful person with my granddad, <laughs> my mouth. You know right. what I'm saying? But but it, it's it's needed. We 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 have to change the way we approach how we handle things today in our society. We really do. Right, right. So did your grandfather ever tell you guys things about him coming up as a child? You know, because like you mentioned, a lot of pastors were involved in the movement. But some people, even back then, like you said, your grandfather was booed when he told people that Dr. King was coming. So I don't think a lot of people are aware. Not everyone in that time frame was like, yeah, let's go protest and get beaten. Like, you know, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like everybody was like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do this. Some of them was like, uh-uh, it's not, this isn't worth it. So did he guys ever tell you guys like his previous history as to what made him want to make a difference? Because not everyone took that role back then. Yeah, he just said he had a burn, a, a, a burn desire inside. Um, mm-hmm. do, well, a lot of people don't know my granddad as a young child was a bully. And I can give you the back. And I talked about that to the kids the other day. He was a bully. He used they had something called a downing ground. And what he used to do, he used to fight all the time. So what he would do, he would go stand in the middle of the downing ground and he would say, Who won't it? So he was a person that had rage. It, it may have come from not knowing his father. You know, he grew up with his mother and two kids. That may have played a, a role in it. But he said one day, and I would love to know the, the, the name of this child. Slap nonviolent into my grandfather <laughs> on the ground. And he said that was the first time he said to himself, when are you going to make a change? And that was his first time being nonviolent. He did not fight back. He went to the principal office and said, you know, this person has, has hit me. And he began to be nonviolent. Then he began to approach things in a nonviolent way. But he started out as a violent young man, you know. So that's that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And not only that, not only being in a nonviolent way, um, I remember him saying that that slap made me a man. He was in tenth grade, um, but also when he started working working in the work field, um, one of his first uh, one of his first duties he he the women didn't have maternity leave. Well, the black women didn't have maternity leave, and and that is one of the first things he did. Well, well, the uh, our counter brothers and our counter sisters had maternity leave, and so. Even in his book, he talked about, he said, well, he would go to the meetings to get this overturned. 
why don't our sisters have maternity leave? Because they are coming back to work prematurely. They have these babies and, and, and they're coming back to work. And, and, the, and the white sisters, they have this. They can take longer and, and their body can heal. And in the book, he talks about he went to, I want to say it's over 50 meetings. And every time he get up and speak, they already knew what he was going to talk about. The maternity leave for the black women. And he said it felt exuberating when they finally overturned it for he to go and tell the teachers that they had eternity leave also, the black teachers. And 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 throughout his life, he fought for, for change in every way you can think of. So it's just it's just was it a nonviolent movement, but he was really forceful and adamant about making change wherever he saw unfairness in, wherever he saw it. I can go back to the city council when when they would um, vote on getting permits. This is when he was a city council, city council member. Mm-hmm. And his main question was when they get permits to build, to um, bring a company and sell them or build something, his first question was, well, how many blacks are you going to hire? Mm-hmm. That's his first question. How many blacks are you going to hire? And and the, the, of course, the, the the people who own the business always say, I get tired of that man talking about how many blacks you going to hire? How many blacks you going to hire? But he was about his people. That's mm-hmm. that's was he was about his people all day so and hey and a lot of people don't know his house got bombed um mm-hmm. how's he because a lot of people got to realize when Martin Luther King and John Lewis and all them left FB Reese as a leader had to stay in Selma so he had to deal with these racist folks in Selma Alabama when they changed the street from Sylvian Street to Martin Luther King Street they got they 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 cut the street sign down and threw the sign in my grandfather's front front uh, in the uh, front room. They threw a smoke bomb on the, at the house. The FBI came and told he was on the hit list. My daddy could tell that story because my daddy opened the door for him. It's just so much. And when he told the FBI, he said, I don't care nothing about a list. You can take that list and, 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 and put it somewhere, but we're going to still continue to do what we need to do to move our people forward. Just a, a giant of a man, you know, yeah. he different lives. He was a teacher for over 50 years, a pastor over 50 years, politician. You know, that's just who he was. Yeah. That means he was just all, uh, fully immersed in a the community then. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. So how has it been like, you know, just reading through the information on the history of what you guys are doing to keep his legacy alive, that you guys are prepared to move and shake up the story of the civil rights activism and history? So how has that experience been? Like you said, your grandfather faced with no name, you know, it's something he's done so many important things, you know, but our history has been, it just hasn't been given the proper care that it should have gotten. You know, there's so many, like you said, there's so many Dr. Reese's that faces with no names behind it are some people who we may know a few of their names, but there's still so much behind those stories that we're not aware of. So how has that been for you guys to say, hey, we're going to, like you said, move and shake it up? And also, when was it where you guys decided, like, we need to really step up so that people get to know our grandfather and make sure that his name is there? Like you said, the experience of a child, seeing him in a book. Well, how has it been now, you know, since he's been gone and doing what you guys are doing now, doing the interviews and everything to let people know more about his legacy? What is what inspired you guys to really take it seriously to say, hey, 
he really needs to put, we need to get his story out there. How's the experience been so far? Because like I said, a lot of people don't know about him. Well, then, the, the, thing um, that, the thing that put a fire in is um, Jose Williams. I used to see Jose Williams in Selma all the time during a Jubilee. And one of the things he told me, he said, um, son, make sure your grandfather finishes his book because he wasn't scared like those other, I'm not gonna say the word he said, preachers. Um, and as in, you know who Jose, Jose Williams was, you knew he had a mouth. But the, that's when we really start recognizing, hold on, this is something that we need to kind of start doing. You know what I'm saying? And so in like in 2015, I'll never forget, we was at the house and sell and I'm talking. I'm like, granddad, it's just not right. I wish I could get in your body for 24 hours. I'll call CNN, Fox News, and I'll tell him I got something to say. And I said that, it, and, and he called me bluff. He said, well, if you feel that strongly about it, son, here's my legacy. You have whatever, whatever you feel you need to do, you do it. And so I looked, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so I hit my brother, and I said, well, MJ, this is what, this is what granddaddy said, man. And that's when we started the foundation in 2017, because we, you know, we're young. If, if you know our family, we, we, we come from a strong faith background. We knew, we knew granddaddy wasn't going to live forever. So one of the things we wanted to do is create a foundation, um, the Federal D. Reese Foundation, and he helped organize that before he passed. Mm. The walk in his spirit, the things that he, um, that he really cared dear to his heart. That's, we, that's what we decided to do with the foundation. And basically my grandfather was a humanitarian. He was about education. He was about knowing your rights. And he was about taking care of his people in the community. So that's what we kind of strive, we, we, we strive to do because it's, is is pick is piggybacking off him, you know. Mm. But to to say, um, how has it been? You know, at first people wanted to give us a little pushback, but yeah. what but what happened was my grandfather, my grandparents, because my grandmother she still they didn't throw away anything. Nothing. So we still have artifacts. It's, we have thousands of letters and 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 letters from Dr. King and my grandfather and letters from all over the nation of people donate from the movement. And so wow. what we start doing is laying out facts and our facts is in the pudding. You know, you, you, you can't argue facts. So right. when we start laying out facts, people had to say, well, you know, we're gonna leave those Reese boys alone because they, first of all, they don't mind saying what's on their mind. And then they got that we have proof. And now granddad and I here, you can't call my granddad and tell, tell him to tell us to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Why were they giving you guys pushback? Um, because, um, I think because first of all, and I would say this, and and I and I stand on this, a lot of times our history is kept from us from our own people. Because our own people who want who want to write history like they want it, and a lot of times a lot of our pushback wasn't from white folks; it was from our own. I'm, be, I'm just and I'm being real, and so because they want to control control the narrative. Because there's only a certain people they want to give props to because they want to tell their story. So that's the pushback we got, man. Mm -hmm. My own. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. Yeah. So can you tell us in more detail, like what do you guys do with the foundation? I'm sure you guys work directly with the community. What are all, the, all of the different things that the foundation does? Well, we do um, back, we back to school drives. Um, we've done two MDA walks. Our grandparents um, had two children. Two of our uncles died from muscular dystrophy. They had to do 
Duchenne muscular dystrophy. That's that's one of the most potent ones that um, you normally don't see your 20s with mm-hmm. that one. So one of our uncles died at 19, one died at 16. Wow. Um, so we partnered with the MDA and we did a couple of walks. But, you know, since since um, since COVID, we kind of, you know, we can't do those. We've also done Toys for Tots. Uh, we partnered with Toys for Tots. We've done that a few years um, to give out toys um, for the children around Christmas time. We also have given out scholarships. Um, and we have other things coming up. Uh, am I missing something, bro? No, you're not missing anything. Okay. Yeah, we have other things coming up besides that. You know, hopefully when everything comes on back. Right, right. So can you tell us more about the book? You know, like I said, it's wonderful what you what I'm hearing that obviously a lot of from the older generation, they don't throw things away, you know, which is a plus. So especially in this situation where you guys have letters, those are some major, you know, artifacts. So how was the experience with your grandfather writing the, the book? How long did it take him to write it? And just how did he feel about it once it was done too, knowing he already set the tone for leaving that legacy before he passed. Uh, he was he was satisfied with it. You know, he started it back, I think I want to say early 2000. And my grandfather just went sit down, you know. So what we what we did, uh, uh, we partnered with Kathy L. Walters, which is an author. And what she did, she interviewed my grandfather, sat down with him, interviewed him, talked with him, and got his story. And she was able to to physically write it you know, his words, but she wrote it with him. And that's why it's Frederick D. Reese and Kathy L. Walters. Um, and that's, he was satisfied, man. You know, of course, that book, we, we couldn't put everything in there. You know, it kind of hit, you know, quarters of his life, you know, child, you know, middle-aged adult and what was going on right before he passed. So, but he was satisfied with it, I must say. Mm-hmm. Are there any things that wasn't included in the book that is safe for you guys to share with his experiences that wasn't able to make it to the book? That wasn't? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. oh, man. <laughs> well, we, well <laughs> it's, he literally lived five lives one. Um, <laughs> Literally, the depth of his life, as far as you know, every day as a preacher, you know what he do, what he did to prepare his son, things like that. You know, certain things we did, he didn't kind of put emphasis on. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, he talked about being a pastor, how he liked being a pastor, what led him to um, to be a pastor and a, and a leader, and but he he kind of he really put more emphasis on his teachers in his book. A lot of people don't realize is that the people that most influenced him was his teachers. So he did, and he named all those teachers in his book. And um, and and because if we go back to the movement, in the movement he was leading his teacher, his what, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade science teacher. Right. Um, he was leading his own teachers in the movement. So because their mindset, because you got to think about Martin Luther King. And, and and my grandfather, and the way they thought, they was kind of originators of that type of movement. Right. So he's just looking at him like, fool, we finna go up here and do what? At the courthouse? <laughs> and go against who? <laughs> right. 
leave well enough alone, you know, oh, for leave well enough alone. So, you know, he he kind of kind of put more emphasis on his his teachers and he talked about my grandmother real nice in the book. So, you know. Yeah, and a lot he, a lot of things that we we couldn't implement, and I'll be honest, are personal stories. Like everyone, everyone in Selma has a Frederick D. Reese story. Mm, wow. So it's it's kind of you, we we really can we really can publish twenty books and and I can say that not blink, um, because of the generations that he not only largely impacted but personally. Mm-hmm. When you were pastor for fifty years and the teeth in the school system for fifty years and this, you're talking about you're you're impacting the the grandmother, the mother, the 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 granddaughter, the great granddaughter. So you're baptizing four generations, marrying four generations. You, and you're in the community all of these years. So, and, and him and my grandmother were married 64 years when he passed. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. wow, it's the least I can say, you know, so it, it's so many things you can. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we didn't share was about how uh, he don't, a lot of people don't realize they were creating a black bank in Selma. That's true. With, wow. with, um, one of the, one of the persons who they were creating the bank with is uh, the Clark sisters' mother. Right. Yeah. Oh, from Selma, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And of course, someone stole the money, and okay. in a way, you know. And actually, we have we have the uh, artifacts of the investment group they created and how much money everybody put in. Mm-hmm. We have. A lot of, <laughs> they didn't throw anything away. We have that, man. And yeah. uh yeah, so it's some what's another story I maybe can tell. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't go in depth about um they tried to um 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 convict my granddad for embezzlement. Right. We didn't go in depth over that, bro. We showed book. and that's what what happened was of course when you do something like that, of course they gonna they wanna try to um um, go out to your character. And what they did, they tried to say my grandfather embezzled money from the Dallas County Voters League. And he went to court. He didn't he didn't settle. He went and fought the charges and beat all the charges. He represented, he was representative by represented by Chestnut, which uh, Thurgood Marshall law firm donated money to his defense. Yeah. And we have artifacts on that too. <laughs> That's why I said we have Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like a, it's, it's like an open, shut door. Like, okay, let's leave these boys alone because <laughs> you know, ducks in the road. And then, and, and some more things. When my grandfather passed mm-hmm. that Friday night, we had a little like intimate ceremony where people can come up and tell stories about my grandfather. And there's some mm-hmm. things I you know. My grandfather used to call the bank and put his name and his word behind people getting financial help for student loans. Financial help for mortgages. I'm like, off his word over the phone. Right. These was giving loans because that's the type of word, that's the type of character he was. That man, his word was everything. If FD Reese bagging you, you got it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Has any museums ever reached out to you guys for these artifacts? Because I mean, this is historic artifacts that you guys have. Well, well, we we decided to do this. Um, we was in contact with Emory. Emory has a, a nice um, archive. Mm-hmm. As, as, as Black 
we're learning something. We have to have control over our legacy and our inheritance. We, we've decided to tap into the NFT with um, my grandfather's, um, um, with his collection, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and do it that way and keep ownership of it, you know, because I think a lot of times we as black people, we do give away our, our legacy. We give away yeah. our, you know what I'm saying, for these big institutions. And I think mm -hmm. we look at that again and say, you know, how can we keep this in the family? How can we use it to benefit our generation for years and years to come, you know? Wow. So, like I said, this has been like so, so many good stories that you guys have said. What's your take now? You know, just like you said, we as African Americans, things that we should be doing now. You guys are an example of how important it is just to even share things with your younger generations. You know, there's a lot of stories sometimes that our previous generations, they may not even think to share, just like our our history is really big on storytelling, you know, passing things down to the next generations. So what do you guys think now that we can do for the next generation? You know, the torch was passed to you guys from your grandfather. He did some amazing things and he passed that, that torch to you guys. And we have this next generation that's coming up and times have changed drastically. Our voting rights are still up in the air, which is crazy. You know, like that's threatened all the time. And even now, it's sad because the generation your grandfather's from, they knew the importance of voting. You know, they sacrificed their lives uh -huh. just to get to have that right. And right now, a lot of people don't see the value in voting. Not everyone, but a lot of times, despite the amazing sacrifices that people have made, like putting their lives on the line for us to have that right. Some people don't understand the importance of it. So what do you guys feel just from the history of your grandfather, what you guys are doing now in the community? What do you feel that we can say to our younger people so that we can keep that torch going? Do, do you want me to be politically correct or do you want me to be, hey, be real and honest? I'm going to be real and honest. Because mm -hmm. um, we talk about this on our internet radio station. Mm -hmm. um, the saying vote or die is one of the biggest things I disagree with because we have to understand that it's not just voting, it's protesting, it's lobbyists. You look at the LBGTQ community, they did something, they showed us something, they invested in lobbies and look what they got. They pretty much got what black people was asking for through voting. But they, they, they understood that it takes more than just going to the polls. I have to invest my dollar. I tell people all day, man, you, you, you cannot, and we're gonna talk about our generation, we're gonna talk about the black family, um, the black agenda. I say, first of all, the black agenda, at the top of the black agenda is the black family. Had to start there first, in the home, getting the home together. But when it comes out in our community, investing to go go buy black, the black dollar. See, we, we, we put $1.7 trillion in the coming every year, but the black dollar does not surface around not one time. If you want to study Tusk, Oklahoma, before the black dollar left that community, it, it hit seven different businesses. It touched seven different businesses and we do not do that in our community because we're not taught. We, we, we were taught to think that my grandfather was just talking about vote and that's it and that's not, that's not so. And our politicians sometimes, they use that come vote for me. Yes, vote for them, but when it's time for them to vote for something because it just don't start with my vote. 
Now they got to vote on something for the past. They get lost. And so what we've done, we've been voting for people that has not, that has been more about America and not about black people. See, back in the day, FD men was about the better good of black people moving forward because they knew out of slavery, through reconstruction, through Jim Crow, that black people was not done right because we were imports and goods, everybody else were immigrants. Hmm. So it's, it's education and I understand the frustration. I don't tell people don't vote. I believe in voting. I believe in the process. I believe in voting locally more than you do for your president. Yeah, because definitely. change more locally. What we've done, what, what the voting rights, what politicians has done, they have kidnapped the mindset what Selma had trying to use the local voting and they put it on the national scale. Now they're saying you vote for your president and let it trickle down. No. Go to your right. school board meetings. Vote for that. Vote for your county commissioner. Vote for your city council member. Vote for your mayor. Those things matter. Right. Those things matter. And we, we've lost that. You know, we have And I, I would say another thing that we have to do is let's like my like my brother said, we have to we have to come together corporately. That's right. That's one of the things that the one of the big things that they were back in the day. Even the, like like my granddad said, he found himself being a mediator sometimes between the SCLC and SNCC. But what, mm -hmm. what what they did do when they came out in the front of those people, they were on one accord and said, "This is what we are fighting for." That's right. I think a lot of the times. We get lost in the shuffle. Well, like my brother always say, he, he want a picture with Martin Luther King half face and Malcolm X half face. Because right. a lot of, we agree on 80%, but the 20% we disagree on, we let we let that divide us on the whole hundred percent. That's right. Instead of us saying, you know what, this 80, let's go out in front of the people and talk about this 80 we want. We can argue about this 20 behind closed doors. And you gotta understand this, it's, it's tactics that they use. And I, and, I, and I said this on my social media, I would not be a part of the conversation of separating the mindsets of Malcolm and, and Martin. I said, because what people do, they'll say, because they agree with Martin, Martin, I got to disagree with Malcolm. Or because I agree with Malcolm, I got to disagree with Martin, which they don't know, I can give you a history, is that on February the 5th, 1965, mm -hmm. Malcolm X was in Selma, Alabama. Martin Luther yeah. King and then was locked up. Malcolm X spoke at Brown Chapel with Miss King now, so they don't teach you this in history. And mm -hmm. so he said this, he said, they asked Malcolm X, why were you in Selma? He said, because I came to see my brother to tell him that I got his back if he needs me. Mm -hmm. See, they won't show that unity right there. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's, a, that's a, a point that we as black people need to put emphasis on. Because even though these two men had different mindsets on how to approach what, what need, how things need to be done for Black people, they did agree on one thing. Something needs to be done for Black people. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's where I'm at. I believe, I look at the United States. The United States was created by politicians. It was created by uh, lobbyists. It was created by looting. Boston Tea Party, tell me about it. So I believe in all mindsets. I believe that. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with violence, but what I'm saying is that I believe this. If you have people thinking that, 
by any means necessary, we're going to get this done. They're more willing to come to the table and say, look, we need police reform to happen. Mm-hmm. We need jury duty the way economically how jury duty is set up. It's systematically structured to keep black people from even going to jury duty because we can't afford it because we can't miss work. Yep. See, we don't talk about those things. You know, I talked about them on my internet radio, internet radio show. I said, look, jury duty, we, we talk about these outcomes with these not guilty. But I said, economically, black people does not have the wealth to miss two, three hundred dollars a day to show up on jury duty to get paid twenty five dollars to, 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 to do my, my civil duty. We can't do it. Right. So why is it that why, why we can't reform that? The whole thing has to be reformed that it can be affordable when I sit down at jury duty, I can still take care of my home. Right. Economically, as a group of people, we just don't have wealth. That's why reparation is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can all day, but I'm not gonna hold. <laughs> all day, I'm not gonna hold. And that's important that you guys are carrying on that legacy. It's just 100 percent important. You know, like there's so much more to go, like you said. And the sad part is, there's so many. At the end of the day, there's so many Dr. Reese's that we don't know about. We're not gonna history book and hear about it our kids are not going to open up that history book and hear about it you know unless we have more people that are willing to put their stories out there and then it's the kickback there's so many things behind the scenes and I'm sure that you guys don't have time to talk about that you've experienced which you know doesn't make any sense and we have to fight for our own stories only we can tell our own stories you know no matter what platform whether it's politically, whether it's in the arts, no matter what it is, we're the only people that's capable of telling our own stories. So I want to wrap this up. I want to go to each one of you individually. And first off, before I end everything, I just want to thank you guys for sharing the story of your grandfather. Like I said, this is a blessing that you guys are still here to pass on his legacy. And that that's the whole thing too now with our generation, how we're trying to start the whole movement of giving people that flowers while they're here. So, you know, I just wish, you know, he could have had his name in those books. He deserved it. You know, even I know just from what I'm hearing, he still, he still made history, you know, but if he could have just had his name in those books. So I just want to commend you guys for what you're doing. But before I end everything, I want to go to each one of you individually, just share one last final thing, a final thought you want us to take away about your grandfather, just the amazing things that he did, the type of man he was. Just give us some lasting thoughts on him. Um, I would like to share a quote that he used to tell us, man. Um, I know you asked a question about the personal relationship um, in the house. My grandfather used to sit us down at the table, man. I never forget these talks. He used to talk about um, standing through the night, you know, lasting through the night. He used to say, um, um, he said, night, um, day gonna break. After every night, day comes. There comes a day. He said, but if you give up, you won't even see daybreak. So he was saying that through through the hard times, through the triumphs, you know, and I always say, even when I'm preaching or teaching, you know, it's the hard times that build character. It's the hard times that make you the person you are. So don't give up during the night. Don't give up during the hard times because after hard times, after, after pain is growth. He's always talking about the, the growth. And when they break, you can reap the benefits and you can see the fruit of your labor. So I just tell anybody, you know, if you can take some away from F.D. Reese, he'll tell you to keep pushing, regardless what you're going through, regardless how your circumstances look. 
regardless of what's in front of you. If you just keep pushing and, and outlast the night, they gonna break and we ain't never seen it fail yet. Wow. So what would you like to leave us with Marvin about your grandfather, last night thoughts? That's one of his, his famous ones out of many. Um, but another thing he used to ask us, he used to sit us down and ask us, well, are you in control? We'd be like, yeah, granddad, we in control. And he'd like, no, you ain't. <laughs> but what he was saying in that is, no matter what's going on, you stay committed and you stay in control. And see, I'm a singer-songwriter. And one thing, one time I remember going to my granddad and saying, granddad, I want to sing R&B music. And I promise you, by him being a pastor and the type of guy he was, his reaction really shocked me. I thought he was going to say, no, you don't you do that. Don't you're not singing that or whatever the case is. But he looked at me and said, OK, grandson, I, you know, I trust you. You, you want to do that. But one thing I will tell you is don't get too far out there where you don't know who God is. Mm-hmm. And that always stuck with me. Don't get too far out there where you don't know who God is. And those two things really resonated with me about staying in control. And, and, and when I, anytime I go onto a journey or anything, I always think stay in control and don't get too far out there where you don't know who God is. Thank you guys so much. This has been a, a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for just bringing this history, this history that we all need to know and learn. I just appreciate you guys. And I hope your grandfather's story getting pushed out more will be a way that we can reciprocate a thank you to him for what the, for the job that he did to help our people. And I just hope that this further generation that we can do the work, you know, like you said, we still have a long way to go, but just thank you guys for doing the work, inspiring everyone that's gonna hear this story and they'll think on how they can do the work in their community so that we can continue that story and continue the work of Dr. Reese so that if his name's not in the book, we can have that next generation's name to be in that book. And when that name gets in the book, that also honors him. So thank you guys. I just appreciate your story. God bless you guys. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. That must have did this beat.